Welcome back, you beautiful ladies and gentlemen. It is Thursday night, uh, July 15th, 2021, and this is our market weekly close show. So this week was the first week, and going forward, we're going to be doing a market open on Monday mornings to get us ready for the week, and a market close for the week on Thursday nights to talk about how the week's basically been gone and gives us another day to catch your breath on Friday and potentially do any trades that you may want to do. Um, I really like this and thank you for understanding for not um, expecting daily shows from us, at least for now. Uh, it gives us, it gives me specifically more time to um, look, actually look into stocks, you know, actually research them and do a deeper dive uh, and also make actual dedicated videos and content uh, and streams, videos, written content and research all kind of cannibalize each other in terms of, I only have 24 hours a day. So um, yeah, welcome back. I love, I almost, I missed our nighttime streams. Uh, last time we did nighttime streams, it seems like we were kind of in, you know, either my family uh, beach house or my uh, Nashville spare bedroom. And they were always a little bit more casual. Um, so, Let's, let's go over the markets, um, but before we dive in, uh, we are giving away $20 for bringing back uh, the raffles. Uh, we're giving away $20 for every 200 likes we, ha we get. So don't forget to hit that sma smash that like button. We have 100 concurrent viewers right now and only 44 likes. So we'll see if someone gets 20 bucks, but click the link and you just enter and uh, the winner gets PayPal'd and Venmo'd 20 bucks, which is something that I did for almost a year last year just to keep it fun. Um, all right, so U.S. equities fell on Thursday. Let's go to the markets page. Uh, where's the markets page? Markets. Two hours later. <laughs> so Jacob's going to be playing that sound every single time I take. I'm too slow on the on the on the draw. I am a child of SpongeBob SquarePants. Um, yeah, so as you can see here, the S&P was down 0.3%, uh, and U.S. 10-year yields were down 5 basis points to 1.3%, which is a pretty big move. So now we are at 1.299% on the 10-year Treasury yield. And you zoom out, and these are some really big movements down in the Treasury yield, something that we should, uh, we should really keep track of uh, specifically, and we'll talk about it, uh, because Jerome Powell came out with some dovish comments today. Um, but just looking at, um, just looking at the markets, the S and P down 0.33% and the NASDAQ down 0.7% NASDAQ underperforming the NASDAQ's underperformed, uh, recently, but the, the stability in the S and P 500 and the NASDAQ is actually hiding some volatility that we've been seeing with the stocks that this channel and honestly, fin twit, fin YouTube, uh, in general, really like specifically i know we're going to get a lot of questions about like peloton and stuff like that they've been underperforming for sure and what will show you this right and the one that i i mean I, I respect the heck out of kathy wood so but i do like to kind of just track her her uh innovation etf as kind of the most aggressive growth speculative com companies out there so as you can see we are in a two-week period of of massive underperformance um that's weighed on that plus the crypto underperformance is also weighed on uh, the big board performance as well. But uh, the, the the theme of today's uh, stream is to stay calm 
as usual. We've had worse drawdowns earlier in the year. You remember that one? That one was even worse. Um, and to focus on a long-term mindset. Uh, I wanted to play, uh, let me, let's go over some economic data first and, um, and then we'll, and then we'll, we'll play kind of what I wanted to sh show everyone. Um, the new, uh, what else? The U S jobless claims fell, uh, from an upward revision, uh, the week prior, uh, Powell reiterated uh, yesterday's dovish message in his second day testimony. So he's being really dovish. He's saying they, I mean, if you read our newsletter, which you guys should all sign up for morning sense, uh, if you're a Roke member, uh, basically saying we're prepared to increase rates to fight inflation, but we fully expect, uh, inflation to come down soon before the year end. Um, a lot of analysts are still staying bullish on oil saying that, uh, you know, I mean that there's still room to run. I think, uh, Brent is at 80 bucks uh, per barrel. Uh, China came out with weaker than expected Q2 GDP. They missed on expectations. Chinese growth is improving sequentially, but there's a mixed outlook for the second half of 2021, um, justifying a cut in expectations. Um, so uh, another analyst I read today is that uh, they expect that bank demand for treasuries might have peaked. Deposit growth at U.S. banks have slowed substantially. Uh, suggests a decline in bank buying of treasuries could follow suit in coming weeks, which would maybe lead towards rate interest rate increases. And again, we've been talking about potential uh, technical factors weighing in on the 10-year treasury yield, and this might come back up. That's what they're expecting. Um, other than that, COVID-19 inf infections reached new highs and governments are tightening social distancing restrictions uh, in other countries, not the U.S. yet. So uh, that's just something we are looking forward or we're, we're looking at, not looking forward to, obviously want the opposite to happen. Um, what else? Oh, yeah, this was an interesting article in uh, The Wall Street Journal. Uh, how the, how, how's the economy doing? We saw some bank earnings this week. And here's some really cool charts, right? Consumer credit card spending is surpassed pre-pandemic pre levels. People are spending a lot. But credit card balances remain abnormally low. So people's debt is lower than um, it's been in the past five years, showing we still have a lot of dry powder consumers. Consumers still have a lot of money and record high savings that they can go spend on. And so the recovery should be pretty strong. Another thing to show is that the housing market is on fire. Uh, mortgage origination volumes are up sequentially. And, you know, what we are, we expect very, very strongly that the housing market will continue to be very, very strong and housing demand will be very, very strong in the future. But we are uncertain about prices because prices should probably weaken or at least stabilize going forward because some millennials and people buying starter homes uh, are getting priced out of the market. So that's just our base case scenario. And, um, and that's what we fully expect. We are very like one of the biggest mega trends that I'm fully bullish on and we're doing more and more work and ROIC members who will do a private ROIC only stream right after this public one for people at a couple cents.com. So go sign up for that. Uh, if you're not, uh, we'll talk about it. Right? We have two housing stocks that we like on the big board. Um, and yeah, and we love them. 
at the valuations. And we're, we're working on a full deep dive DCF ICOM committee kind of, um, you know, Ken's working on that. So uh, stay tuned for that. Those things take a couple weeks, right? I mean, that's, that's the reality of it. Um, and yeah, so for those of you that are looking at your portfolio over the last month and freaking out because you are down quite a bit, I mean, I don't mean to pick on ARC. It can be, you know, like, um, I, I just use ARC because it is kind of a more of a speculative stuff uh, thing. But like, here, here's a good example. Like, I'll even pick on myself, right? You guys know one of our favorite positions is Peloton. It's down 2% today, and it's, I guess it's down from 125 to 111. I don't know who is freaking out about that, who is on this channel, um, who knows our investment philosophy. But you got to, I mean, you got to see a lot of you were in, in stocks like Playboy. Down 3, 3%, down 20%. It's because, yes, I mean, like, I think we sold Playboy like here at, for a healthy profit. And then it ran on the NFT pump and has drifted downwards. And you see this uh, relatively actually ubiquitously across some of these growth stocks. And you actually look at the heat map too, like Amazon's down 1.4%. It's a lot for the, you know, one of the biggest companies in the world, top three biggest company in the world. So fear not, if you like the company at the valuation that you bought in, that means that you're, as long as the company does what you think they're going to do over many, many quarters, then you should have a good return because that's what fundamental investing is. You're investing, predicting, uh, predicting what the company is going to generate on a revenue, gross profit, EBITDA, cash flow basis. And you're buying that company because you believe that that product is going to do this, what, what it's going to do in the future in terms of like cash flows. And you're, you believe you're buying those future cash flows at a really good price, right? So I will not try to say that I can say it any better than Warren Buffett. So let's play this. Some people should not own stocks at all because they just get too upset with price fluctuations. If you're going to do dumb things because your stock, a stock goes down, you shouldn't own a stock at all. No, I mean, <laughs> what are dumb things? Selling a stock? Yeah, it goes selling down. a stock because it goes down. I mean, if, if, if you know, if, if, if you buy your house at $20,000 and somebody comes along next day and says, I'll pay you 15, you don't sell it because the quote's 15. <laughs> you look at the house or whatever it may be. It, it, but some people are not actually emotionally or psychologically fit to own stocks. But I think there more of them would be if you get educated on what you're really buying, which is part of a business. What is up? So that's why you're here, right? Is I don't really get shaken out of stocks anymore much, right? Um, I'm not the only one. There are a lot of professionals that are have a lot of uh, emotional fortitude, and some of them don't, honestly, quite honestly. Um, so just let the Oracle of Omaha rewind if you missed it. Let him tell you how to think about it. You're buying the company. You're buying the cash flows. Just because someone quotes you a new price on your home doesn't mean you have to sell. Okay? What we do, what I am in this crazy market is a super niche version of 
I don't know, a, I guess a realtor, maybe like someone who says, oh, like someone, or maybe an architect or something, right? I tell you about the house. I tell you about how well it's built. I tell you like how much money the house should make. But then the crazy person who knocks on the door and says, oh, like, uh, you know, your house isn't worth much. You know, that other neighborhood, like cyclicals, like, like uh, Boeing is worth more than you. And there, we, that, that house has been bid up and we're bidding that up, but we're going to give you some low price for your house. I don't care what that guy thinks. I don't care what Mr. Market thinks. Right. And another Warren Buffett quote, right. In, uh, in the short term, the market is a voting machine in the long term, the market is a weighing machine. We've, we've talked about this before. So just keep a long-term mindset. The things that we hold on the rope big board and the, and the stocks that we talk about as being good fundamental buys are the ones that we want to hold for like five years. How I haven't even been making content. I've been making content for a year, right? So, and for those of you that bought into Bitcoin, I know a lot of people in this community were traditionally stock folks, um, like with the Bitcoin thing, right? Crypto's not been, hasn't been doing so super hot, uh, coin market cap, uh, what, what did we say? Like, let me, let me find this video for you. Let's go to my channel. I know we're reorganizing the channel. Um, videos let's go all the way down to the Bitcoin one. Let's see. I did Ethereum six months ago and I did the Bitcoin one seven months ago. Okay. This was 18,000 at the time of editing, right? And so this was in November, I made this. And we had been talking about it on for ROIC members for like months beforehand, right? I told you, the whole thing is like, we believe in something, if you believe in something, which I, again, I actually see a very rational argument against Bitcoin. That's the one thing that I'm always intellectually curious about, but I'm just using it as example for any like growth thing that you believe in, right? If you believe in something and you want to own it, you own it because there's a long-term thesis. So with like Bitcoin, the example is if it approaches the market cap of gold, because you think of it as like digital version of gold, lengthening cycles, lower volatility, lower each cycle, lower volatility, lower upside, lower upside until you get a somewhat stable kind of gold-like asset over time, over decades, maybe it becomes half a million per Bitcoin, which is a really healthy return from 30,000. And so just because something came down by a factor of 50% over a couple months, you bought that thing because you thought if the thesis comes right, it's going to be half a million bucks. So the biggest mistake of, of my investing career is still the first one, uh, second investment I've made when I was young, right? It was when I was really young, getting a hold of the iPhone and saying, that's going to take over the world. And then I was new to stocks too, right? I mean, they've gone through splits. I was new to stocks and it, I, I sold it for a double or a triple or something, right? But I didn't sell it. I sold it woefully before the thesis came true. The thesis here should have been Apple. It's a big company. They've come out with something. And I called it, like you call it right, you say, everybody or half of the people are going to be walking around with iPhones into the future. And selling it before you realize the value of that to fruition leaves a lot of money in compounding off the table. So in a similar way, we don't need to talk about Bitcoin, we can talk about stocks, but in a similar way, like you talked about Peloton, right? The whole thing was, has been, do you, uh, 
Do you believe that we're going to have smart connected fitness devices ubiquitous across uh, the world in the future? Or you think, or you think it's going to be uh, kind of dumb, unconnected devices like we have right now that are cheaper? That, that's, that's the question. All you got to do is get one, that one question right. And we picked the leading horse, the Kleenex of the industry. I'd bet that we're going to have smart connected fitness devices into the future. And I think so that, so like me, me selling at 125, we bought in, we doubled down or whatever in the eighties. What, I mean, we're not in it for this. We're in, we're really in this one for the long, long term. So if you guys stick with this channel for like five years, there's a good chance we still hold Peloton in five years and don't be surprised about that. Um, so keep a long-term investing mindset. Another thing I wanted to revisit because someone tweeted it about it uh, today, uh, reminding me that there was a lot of drama around Bill Ackman's SPAC. And this is what I said about it on, okay, what was it? Uh, when was this? Where's the date? I don't know what the date is here. Show more. Two hours later. Two hours later. All right, whatever. When was this? Let me refresh it. Okay. That's weird. Where's the date? Am I just completely missing this? There it is. June 21, 2021. June 21. This is what I said, okay? The upside. But again, and you know, you go on Wall Street Bets and you do the sock puppet video. I don't know if you guys have seen that. And they're like, oh, that's, well, that's super conservative. This could easily be worth over 30, 30 bucks a share. That's true. But like, I need to believe a lot less if that Peloton's going to be worth 200 bucks a share. I just need to believe in the product and the fact that they expand into some countries. This, I have to go read thousands of pages, like believe in my analysis of the legalese of the complex structure, believe in the skill and benevolence of the all, all great leader, uh, Bill Ackman. And you got to believe in universal music group. You got to believe in so much more offer like a 10 to, I mean, maybe it's a 50% upside, maybe, but to me, it's like more of a 10 to 20% upside. And to me, they're just juicier companies with dedicated teams focused on creating value in the world by selling more product that people want as opposed to financially engineering your way to a 10% return. Boom. Boom. That's what I said about PSTH back then. The fat lady has not sung on this stock yet. But what I will tell you is if you think you feel like you're hurting with Peloton and, and some of the like growth stocks on the big board, some of the Chinese growth stocks, imagine how you feel with Pel with Pershing square, right? Like super highly complex deal, lots of analysts covering it, a lot of analysts getting mistakes wrong because it's so highly complex. There's just so much to go wrong here. And, and they said it was guaranteed money. They said it was guaranteed money. And in the short term, it's not guaranteed money. But guess what? I'm more confident. I, I'm backing my, his, this, the jabroni who just talked up. I'm more confident in my holdings than if I had bought in and said, oh, that makes sense. Like totally like 20% upside, easy money. 
I feel more confident not buy, like having bought the companies we buy, like the growth stocks. Like, I mean, just, we're using Peloton as an example. Um, then, then if I were to buy this, so there's a part of this investing journey that is, it's not even about being the smartest guy in the room. It's about, and it's not even like maximizing the upside reward, like all the, like, or if Matthew McConaughey would say, fairy dust. Oh, you actually have it. Fairy dust. That's Jacob for you. Okay. So it's not actually about maximizing that all, all the time, right? It's sometimes it's about maximizing the ones that are so fat pitches, such fat pitches that you just sleep well at night because you don't really care what that crazy next door neighbor is doing because there isn't much about that company that can come out that will shake you out of that position because like, I mean, what shook us out of the position? I mean, they had a big scandal about, about, you know, the treadmill killing, like injuring a bunch of people and that didn't shake us out of the cash flow projections that we had. So that's what I'm saying. So it's like, Pick the companies, especially for those of you that are going back to work. They're like, oh, you have to come back to the office, so you can't do as much research. Can't listen to this channel as much anymore. It's going to be a lot of like, what are the positions? Consolidate into the positions that are at a, at your, buying it at a fair value. And you're just so freaking confident about what's going to happen into the future. And don't let any short-term movement shake you out. Look, Pershing Square, Tontine Holdings can be, could be pretty good. I don't know, right? Only time will tell. But I, I'm, I'm just showing you this one uh, because I want to show you that I would be multitudes more nervous about this position if I had made it than I would any it, those uh, like Peloton. Even though, right, sometimes the math on this one was like, oh man, it's guaranteed money because the warrants and all this other stuff and I didn't have time to really dig into it. Um, you know, anyway. That's, that's, that's the lesson there. Let's talk about one more thing before we just open it up. Um, big news, Intel, which I've been crapping on for a while, is in talks to buy global foundries for about $30 billion. So let's go over the, like this just came out, breaking news. You heard it here first on Sense. Uh, yeah, so uh, the deal could value global foundries at $30 billion. Um, you know, not guaranteed the deal will happen. Global Foundries is, earned, is owned by an investment arm of the Abu Dhabi government. Uh, is, this marks a major push to become a chip manufacturer for others, a market that's dominated by TSMC that we've been talking about, why we don't like Intel. They've just been getting hemmed in from all sides. Uh, Global Foundries is one of the largest specialist chip production companies. It was created when Intel rival AMD... Interesting stock. We'll talk about it on the row extreme if you guys want to. In 2008, decided to spin off its chip production operations. AMD remains a big customer for Global Foundries, agreeing to a multi-year $1.6 billion chip component supply deal. That could complicate a takeover by Intel. Like if Intel, a competitor, especially on the data center chip side, owns that you're man the manufacturer that you're buying from, do you actually want to buy from them? Um... Global Foundry is a 7% uh, market share of the, of, of the Foundry market share. Um, according to Trendforce, some of the largest chip com companies, including Qualcomm and NVIDIA, rely on third-party producers to make their products. 
um, which we like better, higher margins, stickier, more variable cost structure, lots of other things, right? We like the NVIDIA AMDs of the world over than the TSMCs. Even though in the short term, I will say, TSMC has held up in this market. Oh, it's down, ooh, 5.5%. But overall, you know, in this little time period, it's kind of been flat, um, which is cool. It's interesting. I don't know. I have no clue why, to be honest. Um, so obviously we're in a ship chip shortage. Uh, do I think this changes the game for Intel, Intel stock, INTC? Let's look at Intel stock together. Intel stock, Intel stock, Intel stock, trading at seven, seven and a half times EV enterprise value to EBITDA, which is about fair going back through cycle, right? Expected to lose revenues over the next two years because they are losing their battles. And they're trading at almost in, in the high teens times uh, EV to EBITDA minus CapEx. So that includes all the money they have to reinvest to build out chip manufacturing and try to be competitive again and compete against TSMC. They're doubling down on chip manufacturing as opposed to whittling that off and trying to focus on being the better designer. So right now, do I think that that makes me attracted to the stock, Intel stock? I think the answer is no. I think it's interesting and they're doing really interesting things to, to um, and the market seems to kind of agree with me, right? After hours, 50 basis points. It makes me think that if they can be the number two player in manufacturing, they, they can save their company and turn the ship around and stabilize the business. But it doesn't give me any more confidence that they're going to win on their chip design. Buying global foundries does not fix the issue that has been plaguing them in the first place. The issue that has been plaguing them in the first place is the fact that their chips suck compared to others. Right? We talked, we, we, everybody on YouTube's been like bowing to the glory of the M1 chip from Apple. So all Macs, there's two right here, right? Two, two brand new Macs and we have a third one. Uh, that one, so actually yours is an Intel. Yours is an older one, Intel chip. And then I, I, we bought two M1 Macs and, and compare it against your, like, your gaming PC build. Yeah, so I have a, one of those new 12-core AMD chips that last year they, you were hard to get your hands on. They were a little more expensive. Uh, so I've done some side-by-side -side renders. Uh, the only place where the gaming PC uh, outperforms this baseline M1 is rendering out like 4K or 8K footage. Render times are uh, like 3x faster. Wait, oh wait, so your your computer has an AMD though. AMD, AMD CPU, CPU gaming PC, 30, uh, 64 gigs of RAM, 12 core AMD chip in it, very fast motherboard, like best of everything. Where in this conversation is Intel? Because five years ago in, we would be talking Intel versus Intel. Right. I had a, it was a i7 in my previous. And this is just PCs. Age. We're talking about, and you, you, you look at their market share changes on the data center side. 
So all that to say is good job. Good job, Intel. You bought a low margin business that's relatively commoditized, especially because you're not the gigantic gorilla player in the room like TSMC. So you don't have benefits of scale like they do. And they, you're also not on the, um, you're also not on the like cutting edge like they are. So to me, might stabilize the business, maybe. But yeah, I, I don't, I don't foresee a reason why this changes my view on their chip design turnaround. So cool. Are we on? Oh, we're 19 likes away. So don't forget to like the video um, because every 200, every 200 likes, we're gonna give away 20 bucks to someone, someone on the raffle. Link in there, bringing those back. Um, so yeah, like the video. Don't forget to, to like the video and, and also subscribe if you guys are new here. So let's, let's uh, go to voicemail questions. We already have like four. Hey, Justin, Roeth member here. Uh, thanks for everything that you do. Was wondering if you can take a look at Encino, um, ticker NCNO. It's basically a fintech company that I know a lot of legit consulting top four uh, uses and depends upon. So I think at this level, it definitely looks interesting. I was wondering if you can take a deeper dive on it and I value your assessment. Thanks. Thanks so much. Also, I saw a tweet uh, about someone who's upset with my my uh, body uh, assessment on ticker BODY, which was a form of SPAC deal. Um, yeah, just as a reminder, these like l these like call in questions or the ones that I answer from the chat, like they're not even deep, they're not even medium, they're not even light dives. They're me spending three minutes per stock giving you a professional's like quick take. So I obviously will miss a ton because I haven't read the 10Ks and I haven't read, I haven't run it through a discounted cash flow model like we would if we made it a core position on the big board. So um, just remember that, like these are just, the whole point of these lightning round questions is to just, oh, that looks interesting. So that's why we don't say buy or sell. We, we do have a sell rating, we have four ratings. It's sell, which is like, this is so obviously trash. There's meh. We give away a lot of mess, like not interesting to me. Interesting, we should maybe do more work on that. Looks looks good. We should definitely prioritize this one to do more work on. But that's the basic that's the basic premise of these. So just remember that. Okay. So Encino is a global provider of cloud-based software for financial institutions. It enhances bank and credit unions with the technology to enhance visibility into their operations and operate digitally. The company solution, the Encino Bank operating system, digitizes, automates, and streamlines complex. Pro I don't know what they do after reading that. Do you know what they do? I feel like I just read a bunch of English that I. I the worldwide leader in cloud banking. In today's competitive banking landscape, customer and employee expectations are changing. Speed, convenience, and trust matter most. To meet these expectations, financial institutions must leverage the right technology to provide the personalized experience customers and employees demand. Built by bankers for bankers, Encino streamlines all customer and employee interactions within a single cloud-based bank operating system that drives increased efficiency, transparency, profitability, and regulatory compliance across all lines of business. Engagement and trust. Learn how financial institutions are using Encino to succeed in today's banking environment. Barclays, TD Bank, so big clients commercial banking portfolio. Okay. So I don't think I'll end end platform. 
I don't think I still truly understand what they do specifically within the bank, like value chain, but software, cloud software to big banks, which my perception is big banks like to build in house. Hmm. And they are on a, on a one year downtrend and they went public. Wow. This is a brutal chart. They went public almost Oh, exactly a year ago. And they're down to, uh, what are they at now? 63. So they're down about 50% from when they IPO'd. Let's look at the valuation price target. Okay. So they are growing fast. They've grown about 50% per year over the past three years. And they're expected to grow at like 20 to 30% going forward. They're still unprofitable, making it a speculative valuation. So then if we can't value it on EV to EBITDA, we're going to, uh, they help small banks modernize. Okay, that's what JP says. Um, banking operating systems. But it's interesting that their bank um, operating systems, yeah, it's interesting though because most big banks are use their own systems, right? So if we can't value them on EVD EBITDA, we have to go up the line to gross profit. So what are they trading at? They're trading at 32 times forward gross profit, which is a very, 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 very expensive valuation for this kind of growth for even a software company. For example, we can probably get 20% growth rates at half the valuation, right? So we can get 80% of the growth for half the valuation. I mean, even just look at like, a, I mean, if you want to go B2B, I would like one, one report we did for Roic members today, I believe Ken wrote it up, most of it up in today's uh, Roic newsletter was Teladoc. But just let's look at Teladoc real quick. And Roic members can go read how, if we think it's interesting or not, but I just want to show you that for half the valuation, you get more growth for half the valuation for a B2B company. And you, we can pick that ad nauseum. So the answer is, I don't think it's interesting. So I'm gonna say it's a meh, in my opinion. And so the only thing this stock can hang on to is massive growth, but even then, right, the valuation is so high that um, compared to its financials that it leaves you little upside. So, I mean, there's just same growth, similar B2B, uh, for, uh, for half the price. So I'd rather go buy the cheeseburger down the street for half the price, um, for the same amount of food, bad analogy. Sorry. Um, one last thing about like cloud software for small banks, you fast forward 50 to hundred years. I think there are less small banks than there are today. You just think about all of the small regional banks that are out there that hang on to capital. They just hang on because it is a good business with moats. Like, right, people has have their money in these things. And it's, like, hard to pull it out or, like, mentally hard to pull out your money. But you think about the new generation. Uh, Grace is a little younger than us. But, Grace, do you, um, do you have any small banks that you grew up around? Like, regional ones? Like, Webster Bank or? I, I just mostly grew up around, like, Bank of America's. And like, Chase Bank's. Yeah, but when or I guess that's what I noticed. 
I didn't really ever notice any small banks. Yeah. Would you ever, why, would you ever think to go do a small or like go bank with a small regional bank no, versus a bank I, of America? I am like fully team bank of America. And I think that's the trend, right? I mean, and if it's not bank of America, it's going to be like SoFi, right? So would I rather bet on a SoFi or like small banks needing uh, subscale cloud infrastructure software? I'd rather go with SoFi. Right. Be you want to be with the trends, not against them. Okay. Next one. We are over two hundred likes. Oh, we're at two hundred likes. Okay. Let's see. Okay, I'm gonna do this live so you all can see. Wait, I actually I can't do it live because then people can see each other's emails. So I'm gonna go pick. I'm, I'm so sad. I didn't enter. I wanted to enter. Oh, I didn't. Did I not op open it? I don't think anybody joined. Nobody joined the raffle. Oh, maybe I can still, maybe I still have time to join. Was it not working? Yeah, so the, y you guys have to enter the raffle at the link. You have to <laughs> click the link. Yeah, we, we breezed past that point, I guess. Yeah, oh well. I don't know, I don't have any. There are no entries yet, so I can't really pick a winner. So who do I pay my 20 bucks to? <laughs> uh, if, if none of you enter the raffle, I'm going to have to give it to Grace. A Chipotle burrito. It's Maybe two. It's a wise choice. Yeah, why does it say no entries? This is why I quit Rafflecopter. It's so bad. It's so bad. I really want to give away this money. Makes it fun. All right. Never mind. Everybody saying that they joined, that they entered. But why does it say no, no entries? I don't get it. Do you it. need like, is it you just back out and get back into the page? Like even if you're refreshing, it could be cached. So maybe you. You're They're saying pick from the chat. But. Uh, This is the second worst raffle I've ever participated in as part of my 30s. I'm sorry. <laughs> What's the first worst? That's what I want to know. All right, Danica's going to pick a winner. Okay, I'm giving 20, 20, 20 whatever out. 20 bucks out. If we get to 400. Well, the, this live stream is almost over anyway. So. Damn. Oh, I'm sorry, guys. We're like 38 I'm minutes. I'm sorry. We're at 38 minutes. Okay. Don't blame me. This is Rafflecopter. This is, this is really on blast. Oh, well, a winner will still be picked. How is, I'm going to complain. I need my 80 bucks back. I paid $80 for this tool. Look at this thing. I'm going to show you guys. Look at this. No entries installation. It's running. Whatever. I'm going to complain. All right. Next week. Fine. How about this? Can I, I'll have this. I will double the prizes next week. Is that a fair deal? And Danica's going to pick a winner today, and then we'll wrap it up. Let's do one, one, um, one question, um, just like in uh, the chat. Do you guys have any like last-minute questions for the public stream that we can like talk about? Um, I don't like guys. I, I I know you guys joined. I don't know what happened. There were some. Let me let me scroll up here. There were some. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Winner from the chat right now. I think Danica. Or did she already? Yeah, Danica's going to do it. Okay. She's, she's on it. 
All right. Danica chose somebody. Okay, Danica chose someone. Vivo S. Okay, Vivo S, if you can email a couple cents at gmail.com your Venmo or your PayPal, and then we'll, we'll send that to you. Um, thank you. All right, um, any, any last-minute questions or topics we should talk about before we go? And then we're going to do the, uh, we're gonna do the uh, Roic only stream. Uh, why do you like gross profit ratios? Well, so I don't necessarily love gross profit ratios, but I like gross profit ratios when it comes to um, like software companies and software companies that don't have profits yet because, and that are growing fast. Because when a company is growing fast and, or when they don't make profits yet, uh, they don't, like you can't value them on negative profits, right? So it's like, Oh, what is, oh, this thing is trading at a $6 billion valuation and they make negative whatever million uh, dollars in profit in loss. So it's trading at negative 300 times EBITDA. Makes no sense, right? So you have to peg to something in order for me to kind of like, what would the DCF say about this company? Like I've done enough DCFs to kind of like gut check, like if this looks attractive or not. And so some of my rules of thumb is like, okay, so if there's no profits, you go up to gross profit, right? And I don't like going all the way up to sales. I rarely, rarely, unless it's like a straight up retail business that's not growing very fast, I rarely go up to enterprise value to sales because sales, like some sales are super, super good sales where they get 90% flow through to the bottom line. And some sales are really bad. Like I sell you a paperclip and I paid 99 cents for the paperclip and you paid me a dollar and I only make 1% profit margins, right? That's a trash sale. And so I don't really care about that dollar of sale as much as if I care about a dollar of um, like you bought a license from me uh, of a, a piece of software because I don't have to pay anything else. You just paid me an extra dollar and all that goes to the bottom line. So I go to the gross profit line and go enterprise value to gross profit and how fast you're, are you like growing and um, kind of back into is, could this be undervalued on a discounted cash flow basis? Um, John, I already ate dinner, unfortunately, before this. But next week, I will, I'll let you pick the dinner. I have to get, I have to get the right raffle. So, unfortunately, uh, we had, like, we've, we've tried out a few tools, like the raffle tools, the live raffle tools on this channel, and clearly, none of them work very well. So, if you're a software developer and make a better one, I don't know if there's a big enough TAM for you there, but it's not that great of a space out there. All right, cool. So we're going to end it there. Thank you so much. We only got one raffle done. We only got about 400 people. But next uh, next week, hopefully we get we do something better. I'll double the prizes. And we had one lucky winner because Danica chose so. Thank you so much. Have a great time. Great rest of your weekend, week and weekend. And uh, until next time, happy investing.